Hello, you are listening to the Australian Revolutionist. Uh, this is Josh Toombs, and we are recording this episode today on Easter Monday, um, a time that is probably most known for Christianity's beliefs and traditions. But today's topic is ironically about the misgivings and crimes of the religion, and most notably, uh, the Catholic Church. I said, I said we at the start of that sentence, so I have got a friend of the show and collaborator, James Hales, back to discuss this topic. He came on the last episode, um, and he's someone who will no doubt be a frequent guest um, of the show, and um, who knows, maybe it'll be a regular thing um, as we continue to, I guess, produce this podcast. For those who missed uh, James's introduction last time, he's basically finished his bachelor's degrees in business and international relations and government. Uh, he's passionate about history, public po- policy, and overall, he's just a fascinating individual to learn from. Uh, and on most occasions, he will make you laugh. Um, but I just, I don't think that will be on the cards uh, given today's topic. So, do I get that right, James? Do you want to add anything to that? That was a strong introduction to my uh, dating profile. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I uh, it was probably similar to, to the same. Um, so, how how have you been? Yeah, good man. Week? You know, um, enjoying the long weekend on the super long weekend of the isolation. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't really feel like a weekend. Hey, how's your every... how's your week been? You been just keeping to the routine? Yeah, yeah, keeping to the routine. Every day is molding into each other. I feel like you know people ask you what what you did on the weekend, and it kind of is just like I I don't know. It's just the same. Um, but I mean, I feel lucky that you know, I'm able to be privileged enough to stay home and everything. So Yeah, well, exactly. Boris Johnson's out this morning, which is good to see. Yeah, yep, he's out. That's um, not to mistake me with it as a Tory, but like, you know, it's just, it's getting real real there for a sec. Yeah, yo, I know. I mean, yeah, we don't wish harm on people, that's for sure. So yeah, it, was, it is good to see him recovered. Um, okay, so I guess the way I think we'll start today's episode is I just want to give a brief recap of the George Pell case just for the listeners to, I guess, understand a timeline. We're not going to go into too much um, detail in the recap because, uh, you know, we're not legal professionals, but we just want to give an overall understanding so we can go from there and talk about, you know, w- what we think um, is going to be the, the fallout from this decision um, about the George Pell case probably haven't even introduced the fact that we're going to talk about George Pell, but um, yeah. maybe you deduce that from this week's uh, headline probably. Um, so what I'll do is, um, yeah, we'll just go through this now and then I'll bring James in to talk about um, what he thinks about it all. Um, so basically back in 2018, a jury unanimously found Pell guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. So that's the standard proof that they have to prove um, of five child sex offenses. Uh, so he was found unanimously. So every single jury member found Pell guilty. Um, the Victorian Court of Appeal um, then denied his successive appeal. So he appealed that um, that verdict. Uh, they, it, that was denied. Um, and the judges didn't see that the appropriate evidence was there to, to overturn it. Um, so all... Um, Three uh, of the Court of Appeal judges thoroughly and independently um, considered all of it. Um, two uh, judges thought the verdict was open to the jury uh, and only one didn't. So it actually uh, it failed for, for Pell. Then, I guess in the, in the scheme of things, his defence, George Pell's defence team, um, appealed that to the High Court of Australia. Um, and then that um, it was argued that 
what the defence team argued to the High Court was the conditions of the 2018 case were unsound because it was not open to the jury to find uh, Pell guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. Uh, so what they did is that they went into the timings of what the complainants um, were talking about and saying that, well, you know, given the timings, it was supposedly impossible for Pell to have been guilty um, and the High Court agreed in saying there wasn't enough room for the jury to assess the standard of beyond a reasonable doubt. Um, they actually also went further and they found that despite the complainant's credibility and reliability. So back in 2018, the jury actually found that the witnesses, the people who were um, alleging this sexual uh, assault on them, uh, were credible and they were reliable. They actually said that despite that, the evidence of the witnesses um, required the jury acting rationally to have entertained a reasonable doubt as to Pell's guilt. So um, the High Court has given claims about the lack of opportunity uh, so what, what what happened is basically yeah the high court had given um, has given claims about the lack of opportunity and elevated technical legal status that outweighs the jury's belief in in the complainant's testimony and their evident discounting of Pell's claimed lack of opportunity. Um, so they basically um, discounted what the jury had actually gone through in all of the cases and actually finding him unanimously guilty. They actually discarded that. So then. Um, I've pulled a couple of quotes from a couple of conversation articles here. So, um, quoting Ben Matthews and, uh, Mark Nicholas Bernard Thomas, uh, they say that this high court appeal did not ask whether Pell committed the offenses. It asked whether the two majority judges in the Victorian court of appeal in dismissing Pell's earlier appeal made an error about the nature of the correct legal principles of their application. So what's happened here is prior to the Pell case, the High Court had respected the rights and importance of a jury's role in the legal system, rarely intervening in, in jury verdicts. But the High Court has always reserved the right to determine for themselves whether a jury decision is correct, which makes it interesting for me as to why that happened now. Why did they make that determinant now when it happened to be uh, a high-profile, wealthy individual? I mean, that's a question. That's a kind of rhetorical question. But uh, you know, um, it didn't really, and I could, you know, make the, um, the argument, it didn't really occur back, um, to Lindy Chamberlain. Um, you know, she wasn't someone, uh, who, you know, who came from wealth or anything. So that's quite interesting. So I guess given that it's a pretty brief recap, um, but I'm sure you probably saw, uh, the news this week and maybe you would have followed some of the headlines and details in that. Um, I want to bring James, uh, you in here. What, what, what are your thoughts and how did you feel? Um, this week when you heard the news that George Pell was to be set free? Um, I think my, you know, my thoughts just go straight to the victims directly and indirectly of sexual abuse. Um, and in the first case, George ruling, basically, it, it, it was not and cannot be a, vindica a vindication of their trauma that they've already received. Um, but it was definitely a step in the right direction. Um, yeah, that's, I basically, my thoughts go out to those um affected by it just those parents also the um the two witnesses that came up i think was under j and r i didn't really understand until doing more research that um r 10 years prior to the actual court case and committed suicide through an overdose of heroin mm. so those two choir boys which i believe were directly affected both together by george pell would have caused years of years of trauma and ptsd so um 
Yeah, it is quite sad. And um, yeah, obviously our thoughts go out to the victims. It's, um, you know, I guess sitting there as a victim and hearing that um, and, you know, the trial was um, actually, you know, the, the decision was handed down during a pandemic. So there was actually not um, the press that may have been there and the people there. There was, I, I saw someone from Twitter saying that there was literally only four people standing outside when they were saying that, you know, was set free. And I just can imagine that moment and the pain that that would have people would have gone through um you know it takes a lot of courage i think to go through especially in um sexual offense cases for victims to come forward so yeah i guess when you talk about um this decision and and saying that you know it's not hit this decision isn't a vindication of the trial you know tell us a bit like talk to us a bit more about you know why you don't think i suppose that you know this 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 you know high court decision really impacts like you know i guess maybe you're leading towards the fact that it was you know meant it was good that they still went through in this case like they still went through and they found him guilty in the lower courts Can you talk a bit more about that do you mean good in a way of that we actually are now attacking the issue of sexual assault and getting justice for victims yes I think it comes to the way what happens now, not the practice, but what actually happens is people are already too scared to speak up that they are victims of sexual assault and sexual abuse, um, depending if it's coming from a young or um, teen uh, age. Um, What this message sends out for people is basically saying that if you come forward, that the most possible action that's going to come forward from it is a low offense and that you actually be accused of lying and you will actually receive no justice on the day and only receive a sense of injustice. It's already hard enough because 60% of victims that are affected or are, have been um, raped are already too scared to come and talk about it. It's, um, yeah, it, it's right to bring that up. And I think there is a massive, um, under, I think reportation is a word, but um, underreporting of, of these um, cases uh, because of exactly what you have just described. Um, you know, I think you've got to put yourself in in victim's shoes and and um, you know how hard that would be to really come forward. Um, I think you probably touch on that. Maybe um, what, what do you think in terms of um, you know the Catholic Church's role in this case? I mean. Um, I like the Catholic Church have, have obviously had a play in funding his defense. Yep. Um, you know, he's one of the most senior, um, you know, uh, officials or priests or whatever, you, you know, I'm, I'm not, uh, yes, uh, in the, in the church, what, you know, what, what, what responsibility does the Catholic Church as a, um, as an entity, as an institution here play? Well, uh, as I'm, that's such a really good question. Their first role and priority is to protect the faith. Um, so basically working their power to defend George Pell because having him come out as guilty, like he, he has been, but acquitted as now, um, it doesn't just damage George Pell's reputation, but also damages, um, the officials in the Vatican's reputation and of the Catholic church. Um, and you know, we, the society's always had that stigma and, you know, that kind of, um, playing of what the Catholic church is really hiding and stuff like that. You know, you can see it in satire across all mediums of televisions um, and entertainment. What the Vatican are doing right now, what I understand is they're launching their own investigation into George Pell's actual case. 
um, whether they're actually going to be doing anything would be interesting to see the end result. But as a lot of people predict, he will assume all his previous titles. I don't know if he will be the Cardinal for Australia anymore. Um, but as, as, as far as his hierarchy in the Catholic Church, um, he'll keep. And it's, it's what I've um, also read as well. He actually wants to flee the country. Mm, so he wants to escape he back wants to the Vatican. To the Vatican, correct, yeah. And I, I guess I just want to bring back to the, the, the first thing you said, and it was um, you're saying that, you know, the Catholic Church's first um, priority is to protect the their faith. And so, so I guess is that the, their first preference is not to actually investigate whether the crimes were true and for the victim. Is that is that what you know? Is that your kind of well, view yeah, on, on things? It's, it's not about justice for them. No, definitely no. no so yeah, that's what I was definitely trying to say. It's not about justice for them. Um, it's it's protecting the reputation of um the church because you know yeah. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, in watching other things that are like, you know, we're talking about George Pell here, but, you know, in a lot of cases in Australia where, um, you know, we've had uh, convicted uh, priests who have sexually abused children, um, you know, it it, it comes time and time again where the Catholic Church, their first instance was to refer the case up to their own superiors within the church. Their first instance was to preference the priest and not the victim and not to go to police. So, mm. I mean, as an institution, surely that th- there needs to be something done about this um, that, you know, time and time again. And, and I mean, you know, like this is still happening today, you know, with yep. these crimes were committed um, probably in the most part, uh, you know, years ago um, and they're, they're coming forward now. But I mean, the way in which the, the Catholic church is, um, still instituting its power here is still occurring, you know, in 2020, and they're still uh, protecting uh, the the perpetrators of crimes. And they're not, yeah. I just don't, in my mind, I can't, cannot believe that, that we live in a world where that is occurring. Because um, what's happening right now is they come forward saying, no, leave this into our hands. We're going to police this internally and we're going to get justice through our system, which is, you know, n- nothing to the credibility of, you know, um, Australia's legal system or any other country's legal system, but they want to police it internally. Um, you know, whether that just gets swept under the rug, I think majority nine times out of 10, it does. Um, it, George Pell, I can honestly predict it's going to be the exact same thing. Yeah. Yep. I, I agree. I think you're right. I think it will be the same thing and, and evidence. I mean, I mean, they say history is the best predictor of the future. I think that that will come true here. And unfortunately, I mean, not only is it wrong in the first sense that we actually have a, an illegal system established in Australia which deals with sexual crimes, but second is like you know saying that you can deal with it yourself in your own court. I mean, I mean, surely people don't believe that. I mean, this is. I mean, it happens um, in workplaces where workplaces say they deal with um, you know sexual harassment claims, and then nothing ever happens. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, do we still believe? Do we still truly believe that you know accountability and justice will occur within the actual? the perpetrator organization, I, I just can't see how people would believe that. No, because um, they fear the regulating body. Um, you know, it's going to go, if it goes, like I was saying, like internally, whether it's for the workplace or for any other, um, like, you know, institution um, that isn't the federal government, um, it will just be, you know, lost in the red tape. Yeah, I think you're right. And I, I just... Um... I mean, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on, and maybe it doesn't have to be, we don't have to prolong this kind of debate because I think it's probably a topic for another episode or we, we might get someone on. But um, in terms of um, 
having um, this whole play. And I mean, I'll just speak for myself. When this verdict came through, my first um, response I felt is that we have one system for the wealthy and the rich, and we have one system for the people. Yeah. And this is just time and time again, if you have capital, if you have wealth, the justice system can work for you. You know, you can, you can get off on things and then people have to suffer the consequences when, when they do, you know, underrepresentation, poorer people. Um, but I guess, you know, do you have anything to say on that? Um, you know, we don't have to get into it in depth because I think that is a separate topic, but what, what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, a bit blindsided here, but like what you said, you know, one system for the rich and one system that, you know, it's not even just for the rich, but also benefits the rich. Um, if you've got the capital wealth to finance your case, you're going to get the better result. Yes, I just want to bring in some contextual facts around sexual abuse here yeah. just to widen the scope here a little bit. Um, I've done a bit of research and um, basically in Australia, um, I was quoting some uh, different sources here, but conviction rates and trials of sexual offences are, are low. Um, it's a combination, this through, you know, a combination of underreporting um, of such crimes to police um, and the attrition of cases before trial. Um, in New South Wales and the uh, the country court of Victoria, less than half the accused on trial for a sexual offence are found guilty. Um, you know, in sexual offence cases, victims are more likely to be required to give evidence at trial, which makes the credibility of, of the complainants um, a key issue. So that's, I guess, what makes these cases distinctive. Um, there was interesting, I, f- I found, um, there does seem to be uh, still an attitude of pro-defendant anti-victim sentiment. Um, according to a research article by uh, Annie Cossens. Um, and just another thing is uh, there's a real difficulty in prosecuting sexual offence cases um, because the conduct oft- often does take place without any other witnesses present. So I guess, yep. you know, with all this in mind, where do we go? Like w- what's the future for survivors and people who, um, you know, um, are suffering due to this or, or, you know, how do we fix this from happening in the future? Like, with these things in mind, um, do you have any broad ideas that come to your mind, um, you know, in regards to this? I think at the rate of people processing what they've become victim to, it's it's not saying it's too little too late, but that's what they're thinking. Um, because we can have, and, and like what we saw in the George Pell case, the, the, both these incidents happened in 1996 and 1997, but only being brought to light now. I think people come under the um, belief that people are doing boy who cries wolf. Um, it is an attention thing, which is completely sickening and wrong to think. I, I mean, the thing that the, I guess gets me, and this is a bigger, deeper question, and I'm not saying um, I'm a legal profession, professional here and, and I'm not yeah. saying this is the solution, but, you know, the fact that these sexual, uh, you know, sexual assault, sexual offences, they do occur when um, there's only, you know, maybe two people in the road. Like, and that to me is really hard as a as a legal, um, you know, priest. Like, how do you prove that? Like, with the, when the standard is beyond a reasonable doubt, and yep. you know, we, and and this isn't even to do with the George Pell because the jury found the the witnesses to be credible and the information that they presented credible. So we're not even talking about. But this is just in the general sense. How do how do victims, you know, besides the fact of how hard it is for them to come forward and and drag themselves, you know, through the mud to have to relive this. How, how, yep. do, how do we get past this? Like in terms of how do we prove that, you know, when it is only going to be the, you know, most likely only the, the victim and the perpetrator? Um, well, I think modern science with uh, rape kits now is um, 
bringing forth a lot of evidence that can victims can bring forward, um, you know, because of all the, I guess, I don't want to go much into detail, but they can find evidence for going down that method. But um, I think a lot of the cases, people coming forward from the assault within 24 hours is very rare because a lot of people that are um, witnessing these assaults, it's someone they trust. It's someone they've known for a long time in most cases. Um, and also manipulation comes in a really good point as well. Um, they don't really know what's happening to them because they could be at this very young age where it's kind of like, this is a romantic affair. Mm. Um, so it comes to this point where when people hear the word rape, they think it's kind of like a one-off, like an assault, a one-off assault. But um, these type of scenarios could be happening for years and years. And the way people process this and um, kind of internalize it could be much different. And it's only down the track where they go, oh my God, I'm a victim of such a disgusting crime. Mm. It's not really, you know, coming from a legal standpoint, which I'm like, like, <laughs> like yourself, I'm not too familiar with. Um, I think when we see these type of cases, they can be so black and white um, where it's like evidence or not, we can't really prosecute on the amount of evidence we have there. Therefore, you know, this person is set free. It's kind of like, going, you know, what do we need to, like a big brother state to uh, record our every movement? Do you think that, yeah, no, I think you're right. Sorry, I cut you off. I just think, do you, do no, you no. reckon there would be a role for, and this is like to address this whole um, sentiment of pro-defendant, anti-victim, um, you know, uh, attitudes that are out there. Do you think that there would be um, uh, room here f- to have more expert witnesses involved um, to entertain the psychology and the manipulation that is in play in these trials? Like, do you think that there should be more of a role? And may, look, maybe there is in some cases, but I don't, I'm not really certain on how, how often that is. Should that be more of an institutionalized approach to be able to help the, the victim in this case um, from an expert witness to be able to analyze that as a third person and to help the jury understand, you know, what might've happened during that time? I, I definitely think that would be a good step in the right direction. But in saying that, um, the reason that the whole thing about courts and the court system is they need tangible evidence. And if someone of that field and expertise comes in, it's not considered tangible. It's kind of like an intangible opinion. That's just off my, like off the top of my head saying that like definitely a great idea in the right direction, but is it, I guess, um, you know, like we probably talked a bit about the system now and, um, you know, this probably part, uh, by legal professionals out there who might be having some progressive thoughts on this but you know does it then come back to the the individual and cultural response to how we tackle um sexual uh, offense um cases like do we do we then have to come back as a culture and start to look at you know if we're talking about the broader scope of sexual um you know crimes i think maybe in my view is that we probably need to look at eradicating um, this kind of disease of ownership um, over women, because uh, I'm—I I guess you know this is stereotypical, but you know most sexual offence cases are committed um, by men against women, and obviously yep. the Catholic yep. situation here is is very different. But I guess broadening the scope here, um, you know, maybe if we abolish some of this victim blaming mentality here, and we start to uh, understand, you know, uh, question why would a victim want to come forward? Like, you know, what 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 good does it do them to come forward and and, and allege these things against them they don't um receive any benefit from that it's not like there is a boy crow as well like they are touted by the media they are you know put through the mud by everyone you know what's your thoughts on on the individual approach or cultural response we could be taking here well i think it's uh you know it's hard to identify you know that environment and that rape culture some people are brought up into 
you know, it's easy to say when you all need to reflect on this um, and, you know, how, how many people will actually do that is, is another thing. Um, yep. But I guess the more we actually have this discussion in, in public and maybe this could possibly be, if anything, a benefit to having George Pell's case, even though it might be, you know, a little bit different to the wider scope of sexual offences, you know, it gets people thinking about um, what victims have to go through. I mean, surely... Um, if, if we did actually start to tackle, um, you know, looking at if we, if we didn't have, to, if men didn't have to have this ownership over women and, and take control, if we could eradicate that, um, you know, and we could, could start to, um, you know, believe in the fact that, um, you know, there's no benefits for victims coming forward. Maybe that could start to um, impact uh, not just, you know, the, the future predictors of people actually committing this behaviour, but maybe it would make it easier for, um, you know, when these cases, when, when these crimes did uh, actually happen, for them to be prosecuted. And maybe that would that trial process, and if, if juries were involved, there might be a more of a fairer assessment of, um, of victims. Well, it's even just, um, just to jump in here, people's, you know, kind of, they don't really feel, and this is from coming from a majority of people, don't feel a collective responsibility um, to think about these type of issues and matters and everything like that. They kind of come from the mentality where it's like, you know, it's not directly affecting me, so why should I pay it any attention? Um, like you were saying before, how can we change people's perspectives to think more like this, to be more progressive and ideal like that um, is just another completely bag of can of worms. Um but yeah, no, no, everything you were saying before was um, correct. But it's just, you know, trying to communicate. Like you're just saying, trying to open up this dialogue with people is going to be really, really hard. And it's 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 also very hard when we have media outlets like this reporting on it. Um, like I was even saying earlier, um, how it's already been changed on, you know, when you just do a quick search on George Pell, how he's wrongly accused. Yeah, on Wikipedia. Uh, yeah, and that's just Wikipedia, but I'm sure there's other media outlets there in Australia that have. Um, who, who were you saying earlier? Yeah, I saw the Australian did a whole front page on giving yeah. Pell a, a you know a, words to be able to, to express his you know he always knew that he was innocent you know stuff like that. It's that's it, and um, you know what, and like, and we know how George Pell feels. Like you know, if he 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 obviously what did he say? He said he holds ill will towards his accusers. Now, I think you should be calling them your victims, George Pell, but... Well, it's pretty disgusting to see that, um, you know, not only has he not... Um, I mean, he's supposedly a, a man of God. He's, he's, he's chosen not to, even in, in the least sense, not hold any ill will. Like, I guess, as he said, ill will. He's actually just chosen to do that, to be more angry. And, I mean, it's just, like, it's very um, contradictory. Now, is this because of there is a certain type of culture in the church... That is not not saying, but is it's George Pell? Could it stem down to him being a victim himself? You know, but it's you're right. It's the position of power and the how how it's the the rape culture of males' mentalities and how they think what is okay to do, um, whether they've been a victim themselves or not. But yeah, I think that would be interesting to. Well, that's a great point. You know, that's uh, that's probably something we don't know, but you know, we can speculate on, and maybe that. Yeah, you know, he could have been a victim as well. And, and if there is such a, a phenomena um, within the Catholic Church, you know, we could probably argue that that, that might be the case. Um, yeah. I guess circling back to where we started on on the um, the Catholic Church, um, did you do you have any, like I, I've got a few 
you know, I guess progressive thoughts here of how we could address the Catholic um, Church and their institutional power over sexual abuse crimes. Um, but I guess I'll throw to you and see, do you have any ideas on how, what, what we could do about the Catholic Church having so much sway and power over these cases and, you know, what, what could we do to help survivors in these instances? I think that, that the current legal institutions we have now kind of bend at the will um, of such institutions like the Catholic Church and, and many other higher institutions. I think, you know, that we don't have really... Once we, you know, once we do hand off these cases, because it's not going to be revisited again, the Vatican think that they will be taking their investigation further now and we're kind of in the hope that they will try and amend something, which they, they won't. Um, it's a bit hard because, you know, the Catholic Church has been around for thousands and thousands of years and has been solidifying its um, power and position in um, modern society um, that it kind of, you know, it like from a bleak standpoint, it kind of makes it sad that what, what can we do? Uh, and what haven't we, what, 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 what have we failed to do so far? And I think we can look at that and contrast that from George Pell's case of what we can stand to do now. Um, yeah. What, what are your thoughts? Well, I think that's, that is, that does paint a good picture um, in terms of how, you know, bleak it can look. What I guess what I would be advocating for, and these are probably pretty radical uh, ideas, but yeah. I still want to throw them out there is like, um, you know, I think we need to remove the Vatican of their country status. I mean, you know, really, like, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, yeah, I know. And it seems like a, uh, you know, but the fact that he can escape over there to, and it isn't, it's a nation state. It's a country of itself. And it's the smallest, like it's, you know, I've, I've been there myself. It's, you know, it's, it's ridiculous, isn't it? It's that, that it's, it's steeped in this age old, um, you know, uh, 14th century Renaissance. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, why do we, we don't, we don't still have, and even, you know, you can make the argument Kings and Queens, you know, we don't live by that anymore. So why should we be continuing to service this ideology that of great wealth and great power? That's all it feeds into this. So what I will be doing is to strip some of the power out of the Catholic church, remove the Vatican of their country status. And I know that isn't something that, you know, we can just, the Australian government really has a plan, but yeah. if we, if we, as a, as a kind of campaign around the world could, could, um, convene around that um that might be you know an idea and, and look I'm, I'm all for people coming on and saying um you know that wouldn't be a good idea i'd love to hear the the ideas and not doing that but i just think in this aspect that would be a great um kind of um you know way that we could start to understand and start to strip out this um this this power structure they have i think you know, in the Catholic, in the Catholic faith and the Catholic church, you know, there is that attitude and, and, you know, it's still around these days is that priests are God. They are, they are, you know, yeah, they're God a, unto themselves. divine servant. Yeah, no, exactly. And, you know, let's remove that attitude because, you know, we, that's where we approach it with everyone's born human. You're human. You're not, a, you're not God. You're, if you're a priest, you're a human. And this whole mentality around the fact that, you know, it feeds into this whole, um, you know, as people look up to these these priests as they're, they're some divine entity, which they're not. And if we can remove this this um, shit that the the Catholic Church put, I mean, that this is this is religion in, in general that, that that I hate about religion is that it puts people in superior superiority groups, and that you know we are all made the same, and there is no need to have this type of shit, and it only leads um, to uh, this, these things happening because they, they do believe that they are, you know, they use it against the victim saying, oh, well, I'm a priest, you know, I'm, a, I'm, I'm from God, yep. you know, it must be, and, it, and it's manipulative. 
I think that's why, like, like, like what you were saying, how that you know they kind of do position themselves to be all high and mighty. I think that's another good reason why we do see these um, cases coming out a lot about you know whatever division of the church you're from, um, whether it's Christianity, Catholicism, um, whatnot, could be across the whole board. That they are not only these you know high and mighty people, but also these kind of warm and trusting people. You know, you would go to confide in and talk to. Um, it's kind of like, um, what's the quote? Like a, a wolf in sheep's clothing. Mm. Yeah. That's, um, that's a good... While, you know, they can kind of be so manip, not manipulative, but you know, can, uh, it sounds really weird. Like a, a kind of like a predatory instinct of luring people in without it saying weird, but you know what I mean? That's why we yeah. reduce so many of these cases. Well, that you're right. That's that will, I mean, in a way that's what I mean. Obviously not every priest is like this, but like there is a phenomena and, when you, it gives way, that's what it does. It gives way to, you know, if we're putting these people as, you know, if we're seeing them as God, it gives way to this whole, um, you know, uh, power attitude that they have over people. And that's just not the case. Yeah. And that, you know, you, you could take this and really put it onto any, um, any cause or any, you know, we are, it, that would be the start of any um, type of movement in terms of saying we're all equal. But, um, and I think, look, the other thing I would say is, we need to get rid of the celibacy requirement for priests. I mean, that is a, ma- it's, it, I don't want to say it's the cause of this, <laughs> it's not, but it's an exacerbator. Like it's a, it's yeah. a it, it, you know, the fact that they have to sworn against our predatory, our, our well, predatory is not the right word, obviously. Um, but uh, yeah, no, instinct, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. use that word in the very wrong phrase, but um, yeah. our instinctual nature as, uh, as humans to, um, you, you know, to want sex and to want these things, you know, if you remove, you know, the, it just you you it has a play in these crimes and and the fact that they're holding themselves to that is is a problem in my in my view well they live with a book that is so many years old you know what i mean <laughs> um it's um it is their divine truth in their scripture um i don't think in honestly saying there will be no progression or progressive views in the church that would have changed because it's been a practice and one of the oldest practices in the world Apart from um, prostitution, but yeah, um, but you know what I mean. Um, it's something that they think, ah, oh, you know, it's just something that has worked, you know, really well for so long. Um, whether it's been exploiting the poor um, and filling their own pockets, but yeah, 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 exactly. And it it is it's 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 an edict that has been you know still carried to this day, and it's like we really need to start to question these institutions as young people, but it's just as, as anyone, because, you know, we've moved, we've uh, digressed as a society. Yeah. You know, isn't it time we, we throw out these old um, clauses that uh, aim to, you know, set, yeah, or segregate, you know, like disempower. And, um, and as we've seen priests, they're not celibate. I mean, they, yeah. a lot of the times <laughs> they're, they're you know, and it's well, just, you know, it's, well, George Pell is a, a celibate, you know, because his court case got turned down. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, that's <laughs> the, yeah. And it's sad that that is the determinant yeah. that, that people have to really, that that is actually, you know, talked about. I mean, it's. But there's no higher powerful institution than the Catholic church. No. It's, well, and, you know, it's no more apparent. I mean, you know, this show is, uh, is primarily around Australian issues and, you know, that's no more apparent than in Australia. Like we, you know, and I was actually thinking, I just uh, thought of another random idea is like, let's strip our funding of um, Catholic schools. And for that matter, all private private um, schools in Australia, like why are we giving money to Catholic schools where this type of shit is, um, is, 
you know, bound well, so to... You know, from a young age, you already created the belief that there is a hierarchy between private school, private education and public education. Mm. I'm a product of public education and yeah. look at me now, I'm winning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, winning. We're you know, yeah. trying to advocate for some, um, some progressive change away from that kings yeah. and queens shit. But, but, um, yeah, exactly. But yeah, like it, it kind of all, you know, it's like a product that, you know, isn't something that, you know, this kind of like doesn't come into um, flourishing like in a year or two. It's like something that it's, you've been a product of that environment growing all the way up from to your household to where you're learning and to where you work. Yeah, no, it's a, yeah, I just thought I had to throw that in there at the end, you know. It's a great one. Um, but I guess in, in just talking about today's topic, look, like we don't have, we don't have the answer. I mean, we don't have the ability to just make these changes now, but we just wanted to, to bring, uh, you know, talk about this because I think, you know, we've, we've focused a lot on the pandemic and obviously that's, that's you know, the call for during this time, but I thought, you know, we need to start talking about this. And I know a lot of people, and I think, I do think the majority of Australia would have been appalled at that decision by the High Court. Um, and I just thought it would be useful to start talking about, well, okay, let's talk about what the problem was. And we've talked about that, but also let's start to think about the the hope and the change that we could make for survivors. And I know we probably didn't do the best uh, <laughs> best picture on the, on the system side because we aren't legal professionals, but I mean, yeah. you know, and maybe the, you know, we need to have that further discussion. I, I welcome, um, you know, people to, to come on and talk about that, but especially within the Catholic church and that, I think we've covered a few of some, some progressive changes that, that could make, you know, that they could make and that we, we should be advocating for as the public. Um, do you, do you have anything you want to wrap up um, this, this episode on James? No, no, I think, you know, no. Um, well, if you made it this far, thank you for listening. Um I, I just uh, I hope that you can have a conversation with this about with you know with whoever is in your life and um, you know your local like, priest. Yeah, your local. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we said we weren't going to laugh, uh, to, but I mean, I suppose there has to be some comedy amongst the, yeah, uh, the tragedy. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, thank thank you for listening, and um, we will uh, no doubt be back uh, in another week uh, with another episode on a different topic. Um, but uh, you stay well during isolation. Um, stay safe. Yeah. Thank you for thank you for being here. Thank you very much.